you know, the, the, we started the year off with a sermon, series called, a sermon series called Prophets in Profile, and we started all the way back with the prophetess Miriam, and she was helping lead the people out of captivity in Egypt. And, and we ended that series about a thousand years later with, with Esther and, and the Persian Empire. That series spanned a thousand years or so. The series that we're about to engage in Lent, what he saw, will span about six hours. Not the sermon itself or <laughs> anything like that. But the time that we're talking about, that Jesus was on the cross, about six hours. So over the course of the next six weeks or so, uh, we're going we're gonna to consider together what he saw from the cross. Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said from this pulpit that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said from this pulpit that is according to your will, let it be heard, as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe, and believing obey. Amen. You've heard me talk about this before many times, and you'll hear me talk about it many times again. But I grew up in this small church in rural Maine called West Mills Community Church. There's a lot to tell you about that church, and especially about that building and what I believe to be the story of resurrection that, that can be told from that space. And I will tell that over and over again. But today, I want to tell you about how around the time I turned 10, that church and its membership and its worship attendance had dwindled to about 15 people. And so we started worshiping with another church. And every other month, we would worship at West Mills Community Church, my church. And then on the even months, we would worship at Starks Presbyterian Church. Together, we numbered about 25 total worshipers, 40 on Easter. But if you looked around the faces, at the faces of the people in those pews, you'd be looking into the tired faces of people who had made a life out of finding a way. Those people were people that knew how to find a way. They knew how to find a way to put groceries in the cabinets during mud season. Mud season's this three-month stretch of time in the spring when the roads get soft and the trucks can't go, which means the mills don't run and the loggers can't cut and nobody gets paid. But these are the kind of people that found a way to put groceries in the cabinets even then. They're the kind of people that would find a way to keep the house warm even after the cold of March had outstretched the cordage of firewood that they'd stacked the previous fall. They knew how to find a way. 
The people in that church, they were, they were finding a way, unlike most in that main town, they were finding a way to get to church on a Sunday morning. Some of them were finding a way to get to church past a stack of empty beer cans that they'd created the night before. They were finding a way to get to church even though they didn't have fresh clothes and they carried a lot of shame with them about what they had never become. They found a way to get to that church on a Sunday morning. The preacher almost always found a way to get to church on a Sunday morning. And he almost always found a way to come to the end of his sermon. My family, there's always someone from my family that would find a way to get to church. And they'd also find a way to tear that sermon to shreds after the service over coffee and cigarettes. Then there was Evelyn, Mrs. Evelyn Dow. She always found a way to get to church. She was the kind of person that was always throughout her life finding a way. She found a way to church even though she was totally and completely blind. Usually she found a way to church in the passenger seat of that meandering preacher's truck with her wheelchair folded up in the back of his truck. She even found a way when he was away on a Sunday, she'd find a way to get to church. I can remember our house getting the phone call from Mrs. Evelyn Dow needing a ride to church the following Sunday morning. Mrs. Evelyn Dow had the whitest hair I have ever seen in my life. When I was in those pre-adolescent years, I was convinced that she was the oldest person ever to walk the face of the earth. She always sat in the same pew, and she had this magnifying glass that seemed like it was about an inch thick, and she had to use it to sing the hymns, and so she'd place that magnifying glass on the hymnal, and then she'd place her nose right up to that magnifying glass, and she'd sing, and she was a terrible singer. <laughs> but she found a way, she found a way to sing Just As I Am and How Great Thou Art right there along with the rest of us. Mrs. Evelyn Dow was the kind of person that could find a way. What about you? Are you the kind of person that finds a way? It strikes me that the world could use a few people that find a way, even when there seems to be no way. It seems to me that maybe God could use a church that has this capacity, this tenacity of finding a way, even when it seems like there is no way. When Jesus looks down from his cross and scans the landscape, before he sees any one particular thing, any one specific person, any one building, he looks out and he sees a city, the city of Jerusalem. And when he sets eyes on this city, he sees a city that has a history of finding a way when there seems to be no way. This city, Jerusalem, the city of David, the city called Zion. When David took it from the Jebusites, as we read in 2 Samuel, 
takes it from them a thousand years before this moment on the cross. And he had to find a way when there was no way. When we meet David in today's text, he's called a king, but you have to know that David's really more of a tribal chieftain at this point. He doesn't wear a pretty crown or sit on a golden throne. He really needs at this moment a signature victory to unite the tribes of Israel around him that they might truly look to him, King David, for protection and leadership. Commentator Ralph Klein points out that David ruled as a king for 40 years altogether, seven and a half at Hebron and 33 in Jerusalem. It's located, this city, Jerusalem, outside the tribal territories. And so Jerusalem was literally the city of David. The choice of Jerusalem as capital, therefore, did not favor one tribe over another. So you can see how important this city is to David's leadership and to his future as king. But to take it took military creativity. You might have missed it in the text because it's only there in about one sentence. See, the, Jebu the Jebusites boasted the most heavily fortified fortress in Canaan. They had towers and this huge wall of defense. And so they begin the battle against David with what we called as kids a little bit of smack talk. Did you catch it? They say the blind and the lame could protect this city from you. But it's then that David organizes this sneak attack. And they come up through a water shaft and they take the city and it's his. And we see right there from the very beginning, the city of Jerusalem stands as a place where those that find a way need to find a way when there is no way. Now, by the time that Jesus is there on Calvary, on the cross, he looks over the city. The place has changed quite a bit in those thousand years. Once it held the hope of this new nation, unifying the tribes of Israel around the new capital city, but now it's under the heel of a greater city to the north, one called Rome. Once this city, Jerusalem, was filled with inhabitants who hailed David as king, now it's filled with inhabitants that yell crucify to one of David's line. Someday, though, this city will be reborn, this city, Jerusalem. In Revelation, we read what John of Patmos writes. He says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Jesus knows when he looks out at this city from the cross. He knows that this city will be reborn. He knows that somehow, some way, this seething city will one day be something new. It will find a way, even when in that moment, that moment of his deepest pain, it seems like there is no way forward for the city of Jerusalem. It will find a way. God will find a way for the city even when it seems like there is no way. It will find a way. What about you? How about us? Are we the kind of people that find a way? Or are we the kind of people that lose their way?
Someday, one of those young people gathered around Pastor Angela this morning will become a preacher. Not my son. He was very skeptical of the whole heart and the shoe thing. <laughs> I saw the look on his face. I think probably Grace Clopton, but uh, they will become a preacher. And they will begin a sermon like I did this morning about the church that they grew up in. I wonder what that preacher will say about us. I mean, I'm sure that they will say that this was an awesome place to worship. It's like a castle every time we drove up to it. I bet they'll be grateful for the chance to go on mission trips. I bet they might even say something about Pontiac and working with the kids there. But will she say, will he say that when they looked out at the faces of the people in that church, they saw the kind of people that would find a way even when there was no way? See, back in Starks, Maine, I always hoped that we would avoid sitting next to Mrs. Evelyn Dow. That's how miserable her singing voice was. But now I'd love to serve a congregation full of Evelyn Dows. People finding a way to be patient, to be learners, to be understanding even in a world where that just seems like there is no way. People finding a way to give more to the poor, to visit more with the poor, to be in relationship with the poor and those in need, and need less for ourselves, even when the world is demanding that there's no way for a, a community like that to survive. People willing to engage the difficulties in which we have used to divide ourselves even when dividing ourselves is the norm. There's no way for us like those 12, 12 tribes of Israel to be unified. People that find a way to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit in the work that they're doing, in their business, in their family, with their friends, approaching those relationships with new life even when seems like there's no way. You know, when I sat down to write this sermon, I thought about Mrs. Evelyn Dow and how she was always finding a way, and I wondered, whatever happened to her? And so I Googled her. I can guarantee you that Mrs. Evelyn Dow never in her life would have thought that anyone would have done anything like Google her, <laughs> whatever that might mean. It turns out that Mrs. Evelyn Dow died in 2008. I probably should have known that. But what I found most interesting from her obituary was that she had attended Gould Academy as a child, a kind of a, pre a prestigious school in Maine. It surprised me. It's a lovely place to go to school. But she had to leave that school as a child on account of her blindness. 
Sixty years later, though, when she was 72 years old, Mrs. Evelyn Dow, who needed a wheelchair to get in through the doors of the church and a massive magnifying glass to get through Amazing Grace, she completed her GED at 72 years old. Wouldn't you know it? She found a way. She was the kind of person that found a way. What about you? Are you the kind of person that finds a way? Are we the kind of community that finds a way? Because this is exactly what Jesus was doing on the cross in the first place, isn't it? When he looked out from the cross and he set eyes on the city that found a way, he himself was finding a way. Finding a way for us to be led out of the darkest places of our lives. Be let out of the most desperate places of our minds. He was finding a way, but he wasn't just finding a way. He was becoming the way, the truth, and the life. What about us? Are we that kind of community? Are you that kind of person that finds a way? Have you found the way? Because each of us will have that same question asked about us someday. You know the one that I asked about Mrs. Evelyn Dow when I sat down to write this sermon. The, whatever happened to her? Whatever happened to that guy Maynard Tim? Whatever happened to that guy Nate Conway? Whatever happened to that lady Sharon Chope? Whatever happened to her? And you know what they're going to do? They're going to be asking that question over a cup of coffee with a, with a spouse or on a long drive or at a break from work. They're going to ask that question and then they're going to text somebody and they're going to call somebody or they might even Google you. And within a few clicks, they're going to know some things. They will know something about whether or not you were the kind of person that found a way to love and to serve and to bring more healing into this world. May it be that they smile and know that you found a way and may that be because you found the way. Amen.